turn your Bibles just for a few moments to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse number 1, verse number 1, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, from such people turn away. Heavenly Father, we ask you that as we start the sermon series this week and we continue it next week and the week after, I pray, Lord, that I just wouldn't say a bunch of words, but that it would resonate in our hearts and that you would transform us. And that is what I'm praying, that you transform the hearts of men and women. And everyone said, amen. I know I prayed twice, but I felt like I just wanted to pray that we would be transformed by hearing the word and just not come to church just to hear a word and a, a nice sermon and go home, but that uh, there's many books that can inform you, but only one book can transform you. And so I just pray that this will transform you this week. So this morning I'm starting a, uh, a new sermon series called The End, Understanding the Times and the Seasons. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to start today and for the next two Sundays, I'm going to explore the events that surround the end times. I'm going to cover topics such as the characteristics of the last days. We're going to cover the rapture. We're going to cover the second coming of Christ, the Antichrist, the tribulation period, uh, the seven churches of Asia, what we must do to be ready, and so much more. So the, three, the next three Sundays, today and the next two Sundays, is going to be a lot of information. So I encourage you to listen and make sure that you are here because I believe that you can be better equipped in the doctrine of last things. It's going to be a great journey together, I promise you. And I think that you need to buckle your seatbelts because we're going to grow in God together and we're going to learn together. We're going to explore the Scripture and most of all, the Holy Spirit who is the illuminator of the Bible, is going to take the one revelation and illuminate the Word of God to us today. Have you ever noticed how much our society is fascinated with the end times? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever noticed our society so intrigued and so fascinated with anything that deals with a a cosmic battle between good and evil, an apocalyptic uh, end of the world kind of an event. Hollywood is fascinated with it. I can't count all the movies within the last 10 years that Hollywood, just in the last 10 years, that Hollywood has made that deals with an apocalypse or the end of the world. For instance, we, we are familiar with movies such as uh, 21, or excuse me, 2012. That movie came out in the year 2009. What about the War of the Worlds? That was 2005. The Day After Tomorrow 
was a very popular movie in the theaters. And one recently in 2012 was the World War Z, and uh, was, which was a very popular and broke uh, box office. And, of course, Batman and Superman is out. And I'm sure you're just flocking the theaters to see that, and that is kind of like a cosmic battle between the forces of good and the forces of evil. And, of course, we have to have Superman to save the world. And so we're all fascinated with the end of the world, a cosmic battle between the forces of evil and the forces of light. And, of course, in the movie, we always know that the forces of light always prevail. And so, not only, and I've thought about this, not only is Hollywood fascinated about the end times, but I would believe the church is fascinated about the end times. It is nothing to see books and bookstores that deal with the end of the world. The Road to Armageddon, Ryan Sutton, a very popular uh, prophetic teacher, Perry Stone is also another one. They make millions of dollars or thousands of dollars preaching conferences throughout the world, getting people ready for the apocalypse that is soon to come. Not only is books written, but Christians will spend thousands and thousands of dollars and they will travel to prophecy conferences so they can hear about what we need to do next. Some people will tell you, such as Jim Baker, that you need to store up your beanie weenies in the closet. You need to store up water because there is an apocalypse coming and you need to be ready. He's already making thousands of dollars off of his little uh, left-behind kit. We all have seen that on TV. But people will travel throughout America to these conferences, quote-unquote prophecy teachers, and they will try to tell us how America fits in to end-time prophecy. And we'll spend money and we'll get all hyped up and go back to our churches and yet the clock is still ticking. How do we fit in the end times? How does America fit in the end times? How does the church play a role in the prophetic calendar that God has established? And of course, we have prophecy teachers who will sell their charts and their graphs. And they have everything spelled out to a T. This is supposed to happen here. And this is supposed to happen here. And the rapture is supposed to happen. And after the rapture, this is supposed to happen. And the marriage supper of the Lamb, so on and so forth. And they set up their charts and they set up their banners and they set up their graphs and they have everything perfectly spelled out in a systematic way so everybody can understand what is getting ready to happen to the world. And let us not forget the religious fanatics. Because in every religion, there are religious fanatics. And I'm sorry to say, Christianity, there's some fanatics we have. I'm sorry to tell you this, but for instance, we all are familiar with Harold Camping. And if you're not familiar with him, you can Google him after church, and he can tell you all about Harold Camping on Wikipedia. But Harold Camping was a quote-unquote fundamentalist evangelical religious fanatic who said that on May the 21st of 2011, there would be this apocalypse that would happen to the world and Jesus would return and the battle of Armageddon would happen. Well, guess what? 
on May the 21st, 2011 came and it went and it did not occur. So Harold Camping got up in his radio broadcasting and said, I've missed it. It is actually October the 21st, 2011. Well, guess what? October the 21st came and nothing happened. Well, guess what? His, he resigned the ministry. I think I would too. He resigned the ministry and repented and said, it's probably not wise to set dates for the return of Christ. I could have saved him all the trouble and embarrassment and told him, you should not set the date for the return of Christ. How many would agree with me? He spent all kinds of money on uh, apocalyptic literature throughout America. I was coming home from a revival, having a conversation with somebody that's saying, well, at 6 o'clock, Harold Camping said the end of the world is coming. Now, we do know on May the 22nd, an EF5 tornado came through the city of Joplin. And Brother Sean got up that morning and sung, I'll fly away. And that is not a knock on the tornado, but I just want to say it wasn't prophetic <laughs> at all. But there was an event happened, but it had no... And the reason I mentioned that, because somebody said to me, Pastor, do you think that the tornado had any connection to Harold Camping's prediction? And I would disagree. Absolutely not. Had no bearing on the tornado whatsoever. There are some questions we can't answer. We are saddened at the loss of lives that lost at the tornado. We don't understand everything, but we do know we are still here and we must continue to move forward and we must continue to be the light that God has given us. Can I hear an amen? And, uh, and so anyway, it had no bearing upon what Harold Camping said. Uh, it, that was just something that happened. But anyway, uh, he repented of his religious fanatic. He repented of what he said that was getting ready to happen. And uh, uh, so he resigned from the ministry. So every religion has religious fanatics. They all have religious fanatics. And Christianity, we have the share of them. And you can make a list of all the religious fanatics that's been through the centuries. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that many will come and say that they are the Christ. He said, don't listen to them. And we have had the share of them within the last 2,000 years. So let me ask you a question this morning. What is the big fuss about the end times? What is the big fuss about it? Why is so many people so intrigued about the end of the world? Why is people so fascinated to read books and go to seminars and listen to sermons about the end of the world or some apocalyptic event that will happen in the near future? Why is there so much talk about it? And I had to think about it. I had to think, why is there so much talk about the end of the world? And ladies and gentlemen, there are several reasons why I believe the end of the world is such a big talk. Why the end of the world is such a big thing to explore. Number one, because there is a sense that things can't continue the way that it's going. We know that within us, and we sense what's around us, that things cannot continue the way that it's going. Ladies and gentlemen, there is sickness and disease. That's been since the beginning of time. But it seems like it's getting worse. There is terrorism on every side. Our children are not even safe to go to school anymore. And I would safe to assume that uh, even America is not even safe anymore. You see, ladies and gentlemen, things can't continue the way that they are. Number two, 
things are not getting any better. No matter what prophecy teacher teaches you this, the scripture teaches, uh, 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 teaches something else. That there is not going to be a worldwide revival before Jesus returns. I don't believe the scripture teaches that. I do believe there's going to be pockets of revival throughout the world because people are hungry and thirsty. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. So there is going to be revival. It's going to be pockets throughout the world. There is going to be the moving of the Spirit throughout the world. But there is not going to be a worldwide revival because things are not getting better. Things are not getting better. There is also a sense that justice has to prevail. Somewhere, somewhere along the line, God has to make every wrong right. Somewhere along the line, good has to triumph over evil, not evil over good. Somewhere along the line, justice has to prevail, and we can't continue to live without justice prevailing. That is why the end times is such a big thing, because we know, even from the movies of Hollywood, that in the apocalypse, good always triumphs over evil, and not only do we have to look at Hollywood, I mean, that, that is the least thing we need to look at. We can look at the Scriptures. And the Scriptures is clear that Jesus will rule and reign. And there will be peace. And He will establish His kingdom. And there will be no more suffering and no more death. Somebody say amen. So there is a sense that justice has to prevail. Why is there a fuss about the end times? There's a fuss about the end times because there is the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. Now, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but we don't want to fear something we don't know. That's why we like to be in the know, don't we? We don't like secrets. We, we like to know things. And the reason we like to know things is because we don't want to be caught off guard. And you see, the end times is something that maybe we're unsure of. Maybe we're confused about. Maybe you've heard this, and maybe you've heard this, and you're not sure. So it's kind of like a muddy water, and you've just got to travel through it, just guessing your way through it. And so therefore, there's the fear of the unknown. Is Obama the Antichrist? I mean, I've heard that. Or, or is so-and-so the Antichrist, and is so-and-so the Antichrist. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that you could save a lot of mental image when you study the mental energy, when you study the Scriptures, and you'll know that the Antichrist is not going to be somebody from America. Good preaching, Josh. So... Now, people can have the Antichrist spirit. Can I hear an amen? But I'm talking about the person of Antichrist. There is an Antichrist spirit in the world, and ladies and gentlemen, it is even in some of our... You could fill in the blank. So there is the fear of the unknown. We try to figure out so that we can be better prepared for the future. And then... Why is there a fuss about the end of the world? Well, there's a sense that there is more to life 
than this world. If, there, if this is all there is to the world, then the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, we are the most miserable men. We live in a miserable state if this is all that we can have and sense. And so there is a sense that there is more to life than this. And then why is there a fuss about the world? Well, there is an ancient book called the Bible, and it's predicted for centuries that there is going to be an apocalypse. It's predicted that there is something that's going to happen. And so for centuries, people have read the book, and preachers have preached it. People have read it. People have studied it. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John said in the book of Revelation chapter 1, he said, blessed is he that reads the prophecy of this book. And blessed is he that keeps the prophecy of this book. There is a blessing that goes along with those who read about prophecy and those who study about prophecy. Because the Apostle Paul said, those who eagerly wait for his return, he promises them a crown. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but Jesus is getting ready to return, and I'm waiting to see him, and he's going to give us a crown which fadeth not away. But for Christians, for Christians, knowing about the end times brings us hope, and it brings us comfort. That's why it's important that we study the end times, because it brings us hope and it brings us comfort. You see, the end times is not about death. It's, it's not about destruction and defeat and despair for the Christian. As a matter of fact, for the Christian, the end times is about hope and comfort. Now, how do I know that? Well, there's a scripture. You don't have to turn there. It'll be behind me. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, I want you to listen to the words of the apostle, and he made it very clear. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will be raised first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall we be with the Lord always. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you see the last phrase there? Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, the end times for the Christian is about hope and it's about comfort. The Apostle Paul said, comfort one another with these words. Share these words with one another because this brings comfort. Ladies and gentlemen, the end times is not a time of death, destruction, defeat, or despair for the Christian. As a matter of fact, for the believer, it is a time of hope and comfort. Do you know why it's a hope, a time of hope and comfort? It's a time of hope and comfort because you and I are going to see Jesus Christ. Boy, I, can, can I say that again? Maybe some of you just, you know, maybe you help me participate. Can I say that again? You don't have to, but maybe I'll say it again. It's a, it's a time of hope and comfort. It's not a time of death, destruction, and despair or despondency. Knowing about the end times brings us hope and comfort because we get to see Jesus Christ. It's about hope. Jesus promised us 
that he would return. And not only did Jesus promise us, the Bible reassures us that Jesus will return. I quote James 5, 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your heart, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 13, and I quote, Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour that the Son of Man is coming. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse number 27, 24 verse 27, For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse number 30, Matthew 24, verse number 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and He will gather them together, His elect, from the four winds from the one end of heaven to the other. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back? The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1, listen to the words of the prophet. He said it like this, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as the thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety... Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in the darkness, so that the day should overtake you as a thief. The Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse number 44, the writer said it like this, Therefore, also be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. Listen to the words of the angel in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from among you into heaven, so will come in like manner as you have saw him go into heaven. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 1. John 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. You're not going to be left here with ISIS. You're not going to be left here in the tribulation. You're not going to be left here with the Antichrist. I will come again and receive you unto myself. <laughs> that where I am, you may be also. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 1. 
Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in your mind or troubled either by spirit or word or letter, as it's from us, although the day of Christ had come, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will come unless there's a great falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. See, don't be shaken. Don't be alarmed, he says. For this day will occur, and this day shall happen. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a day of hope, a day of comfort for us, a day of not for us to be shaken and troubled. It's not a day for you to store all your beanie-weenies up and hope that you can make it through a terrible time because you just don't know if God is over His anger yet. <laughs> I will come again and I will receive you unto myself. You see... We've got to be familiar of the times and the seasons that we are in. There is a passage in the Old Testament, uh, a tribe of Israel, and they had a special gift. And I, I want to read it to you. It'll be behind me. But I believe that we need to walk in this gift today, the gift of discernment. And it's found in 1 Chronicles 12.32. 1 Chronicles 12.32. And I want you to look at it. Of the sons of Issachar... Who, who had the understanding of times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren at their command. You see, this tribe here, the sons of Issachar, they understood what Israel should do. They understood the times and they understood the seasons that they lived in. And it amazes me, the Christians that go to church and they're oblivious of what is getting ready to take place. They allow their children to stay home and they don't bring them to church. They gossip and they complain. They have bad attitudes. They refuse to tithe. And yet, it's getting ready to rain. And the ark is being built. And the door is getting ready to shut. This is not the time to play games. This is the time for you to come to church every time the doors are open. I know half of you didn't just agree with me, but I'm going to say it again. This is the time for us to go to church. I'm going to say that again. This is the time for you to go to church at least once a week. Once, I'm just asking once a week because some of us, it would kill us if we would come during the week. You know, it's just too much to ask. It wear us out. God forbid you'd ask us to pray. You know, it's just too much. So I'm just going to be easy on you. Could you just come once a week? Come on, somebody. Now, please don't get mad and leave the church. The, bark, the dog that barks the loudest is the dog that's been hit. So just shake my hand going out the door and say, I love you, Pastor. Is that all right? <laughs> Somebody say amen. Listen, I'm not going to apologize asking you to come to church. I'm the pastor. I want people to come to church. Just like if you're a school teacher, you want your students to come to school. 
Amen. Did I just get on a bunny trail? Did I just get on a bunny trail? Please forgive me. You know, I'm all sweet and nice. Surely I wouldn't say stuff like that, would I? <laughs> Let me get back to this sermon. Is that all right? Y'all still love me? Let's take a vote. All in favor say aye. Well, see, I love you guys too. Isn't that wonderful? We're just in this thing together. Amen? And let's suppose if we're left behind, you know, maybe we missed it. I'll eat the beanie weenies with you, okay? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. So the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the times. Are you really aware of what's getting ready to occur? Are we understanding that we're living in the last of the last days? And I want us to go back to the scripture that I read. It'll be behind me in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. They're going to leave it up there just for a moment. I want you to see this. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. I want you to see something. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Let's just stop right there. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, I'm reading now the New King James. Uh, some of your translations might say, understand this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. But this is what the New King James says. And I want you just to pay attention to uh, the characteristics of the last days. This is a description of how people will act in the last days. And that's what I want to look at this morning. Before we get into the rapture, before we get into the tribulation and the Antichrist, it, it is very important that we understand the mindset that is happening not only in our culture, but the mindset that has infiltrated into the church. And so this is the characteristics of the last days. I want you to look at verse number one. He says, but know this, that in the last days. Now, what do we mean by the last days? I mean, when did the last days start? Have you ever thought about that? When did the last days start? Did it start when the Old Testament was written? What about the New Testament? When did it start? Well, I think that the scripture is clear. And for the sake of time, I can't read all the scriptures. But I want to tell you that the last days started at the coming of Christ. At the coming of Christ, it started a new chapter in world history. At the coming of Christ, at the birth of Christ, started the last days. That was the arrival of the end. That was the beginning of the end. And that was the last chapter of world history. When Jesus came to the earth, that started the last days. And we have been in the last days for 2016 some years. We have been living in the last days. The scripture says that he's going to pour out his spirit in the last days. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not waiting for the Spirit to be poured out. The Spirit was already poured out on the day of Pentecost, and you can receive the Spirit because it's already poured out. We're not going into the last days. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the last days, and it started at the arrival or the coming of Christ. That was the arrival of the end. That was the beginning of the end. It was the last chapter of world history. 
The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 8, listen to the apostle. He said it like this, little children, it is the last hour. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which you know that it is the last hour. That was written thousands of years ago, and he is saying it's the last hour. We have been in the last hour. We have been in the last days for over 2,000 and some years. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 2. Listen to the words of the apostle here. Hebrews chapter 1 verse number 2. And I quote, In these last days, in these last days, I'm going to say it again, in these last days, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir over all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You see, the prophet or the apostle here is saying that God has spoken to us in these last days by his son. So the last days started at the arrival of his son. When Jesus came, that was the beginning of the last days. And the apostle is saying, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. What about 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 20? 1 Peter chapter 1 verse number 20, and I quote, He indeed was foreshadowed before the foundation of the world, but was made manifested in these last times for you. You see, Jesus was made manifested in the last days for you. When Jesus came, it started a new chapter of world history, and it's called the last days. We've been living in the last days. We're not waiting for the last days. We're not sitting around looking at the clock, wondering when it's going to happen. We are living in the last days since the time of Christ. That is why for the first 300 years of church history, it was known as the apocalyptic age the first 300 years of church history because the disciples went throughout the world preaching that Jesus is going to return at any moment, at any day, at any hour. They believed it, and so therefore they changed the world in 20 years. They turned the world upside down because they believed that Christ would return at any moment. They understood that they were living in the last days. The prophet said in Acts chapter 2, in the last days... In the last days, Joel prophesied thousands of years before the day of Pentecost and said in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out upon your sons and your daughters. The last days have already started at the coming of Christ. The Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We're not waiting for a world revival. We're not waiting for uh, 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 the last days. We are in the last days and we are in perilous times. In perilous times. The Bible says, but know this, that in the last days, we are in the last days, look at the word perilous. Now, I'm not going to go and break all these Greek words down. I'm going to give you the translation because most of you probably are not even aware of that, and that's perfectly fine because uh, I'm going to just give it to you. The word perilous here is actually the word difficult or fierce. Fierce. Difficult or fierce. And the word times here. T-I-M-E-S, times, is actually the word for seasons, seasons. And the word will come actually is the Greek word which means will come unexpectedly or will come quickly. So in other words, this is what 
the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm going to read it like this. But know this, that in the last days, difficult and fierce times or seasons will come quickly. Let me read it again. He is actually saying this. But know this, that in the last days, difficult or fierce times will come or seasons. For know this, that in the last days, difficult or fierce seasons will come unexpectedly. Do you know that that's happening right now? Would you agree with the preacher that we're living in difficult and fierce times? Would you agree with the preacher that it's coming unexpectedly? Remember the Bible says when they say peace, peace, then comes sudden destruction. We are living in the last days, but know this, that in the last days, difficult and fierce seasons will come to us unexpectedly. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said it would come. Jesus said that I'm going to come like a thief in the night. He says, don't let the night overtake you. You should be aware that this is getting ready to happen. Paul said, don't be shaken in your mind. Don't be shaken in your spirit. You should be aware of the season that you're in. Ladies and gentlemen, as your preacher this morning, I have to tell you the message that Jesus is coming back quickly. And please get your husband ready. Please get your wife ready. Please get your children ready. Please get your house in order. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Jesus is getting ready to come back. Do you believe he's coming back, ladies and gentlemen? There's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. It may be evening, morning, or at noon. The wedding of the bride, united with the groom, we shall see the king when he comes. We shall see the king. We shall see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. He's coming in power. We'll hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. Let me ask you a question. Are you ready should the Savior call today? Would Jesus say, well done, or go away? My home is for the pure. The vow can never stay. Oh, we shall see the King when He comes. Oh, my brother, are you ready for the call? To crown the Savior, King and Lord of all. The kingdoms of this world shall soon before Him fall. We shall see the King when He comes. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah, hallelujah, get your bags packed, get your house in order, go tell everybody we're getting ready to go home, the trumpet's getting ready to sound, the dead is getting ready to wake up, I don't know about you, but I can almost hear the trumpet getting ready to sound, hallelujah, we're living in the last of the last days, hallelujah. What are the characteristics of these days? The Apostle Paul said it very clearly, but know this, that in the last days, difficult, fierce seasons will come unexpectedly. Look at verse number 2. For men shall be lovers of themselves. Stop right there. That is the characteristic of the last days. Men love themselves more than they love anything else. People love their boats more than they love the house of God. Some of you love your children more than you love God. You love your grandchildren more than you love God. 
God help us. Yes, you should love your family very deeply, but Jesus is God, and God always comes first. Some of us will patty cake and pet our children and give our children everything they want. But then when it comes to the house of God, we let them sleep in. We, we just pat them. We don't correct them. Let me say some, ladies and gentlemen, you better get your house in order and quit playing games with God. And then we wonder why our life is a mess. It's because pri- seek ye first the kingdom. All these other things will be added to you. I know this is hard preaching, but it amazes me. People take their kids to ball games on Sunday morning and miss church for six weeks. And if you can't control your child in the playpen, they might go to the state pen. So we, 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 we go for six to eight weeks and we, we, just, we, we, we just let our kids do whatever they want. And then we wonder why they're rebellious and we wonder why they're not serving God. Is because you've set the atmosphere at the house, ladies and gentlemen. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If i got to pick you up and drag you out of the house, you're going to the house of God today. Can I hear an amen from all the parents today? See, I, I was raised in old school. I mean, they, 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 they hit you with, with the belt, you know, and made you get up out. Of course, nobody had to do that. I wanted to go to the house of God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm just getting on all these bunny trails. What, Brother David, I mean, I've just been hopping here. It's Easter time. I'm the Easter bunny today. Lovers of themselves. Because you love yourself more. And that's the characteristic. You know the word sin? Everybody spells sin. S-I-N. You know what? S-I-N. Somebody spell evil. E. Somebody spell wicked. W. Somebody spell lie. You know the common denominator in all these words? I. Because that's the characteristic of the last days. It's all about you. All about you. That's why we did this outreach. So we never fall in the category where it's all about us and our church that we have the attitude that we got to somehow get beyond the walls of this church. It's being, what's the word? A narstic? Is that the word for it? All about yourself. And then he says, he says, lovers of themselves. Then he says, lovers of money. You know what that is? Lovers of money is people who are materialistic. It's all, listen, there's nothing wrong with having stuff as long as stuff don't have you. Am I right about it? And boasters. You know what boasters is? Boasters is those who love to draw attention to their accomplishments. Proud, he says. The word proud means inflated, is the word here inflated, which is an inflated view of yourself. I promise you, if we would just bend over once in a while, the chip on our shoulder would fall off. Blasphemers. 
The word blaspheme means to speak against or to deny the power of God. Boy, isn't that happening in our society? People speaking against the things of God. What about disobedient to parents? Do you know what the word disobedient means here? The word disobedient means uh, unruly or rebellious or disruptive. Disobedient to parents. Rebellious children. Nowadays, you've got to tell children six times to do something. When I was growing up, they told you. So therefore, they grow up never respecting anybody's word because we never follow through with our word. Never respect authority because we're so lenient about the authority. Ungrateful. Assuming that we have rights. It's my right. The only right we have is the right to be righteous. Unholy. The word unholy means indifferent. It's the indifferent to the acts that reflect the value of Jesus. Un unloving. The Apostle Paul says this is the characteristic of the last days. Unloving. Unloving is the word, the Greek word, which means without heart or heartless. Unable to sympathize with others. Boy, if that ain't a characteristic of the last days, I don't know what is. People who have, are heartless. What about unforgiving? The word unforgiving is the word without reconciliation. Those who refuse to reconcile with their brother. He also said slanders. Those who would slander, slander other people. That's devilish distorting of what other people say and do. Also, the Apostle Paul says another characteristic would be without self-control. That is people who are a slave to their appetite. A slave to their appetite. Brutal. Those who are dead to everything that's tender. Despisers of good. Those who hate what is good and holy and have no respect for it. Traitors. Those who break promises for their own advantage. Headstrong. Those who are blind to their own ways. Haughty. Those, the word haughty is the Greek word which means swollen. Those who are swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure, in other words, those who find satisfaction in the physical more than they find it in the spiritual. And it usually deals with sexual temptation and pleasure. Lovers of pleasure. And then the form of godliness. In other words, people use religion as personal gain without seeking Christ. And that's exactly what's happening right in front of us, ladies and gentlemen. The Apostle Paul says, know this, that in the last days, difficult and fierce seasons are coming upon us, and they're coming upon us unexpectedly. And he gives us a description here of the attitude and the culture by, you, by which you and I are living in. Don't that sound like the culture? A materialistic culture? A culture who's drawn attention to itself? A culture who has an inflated view of itself, those who speak against God and anything that's holy, children that's disobedient to their parents, those who think they have rights, those who are indifferent to things that are holy, those who are heartless, those who refuse to reconcile with their brother and sister, those who speak against each other, those who are a slave to their appetite and their gratifications, those who hate what is good, those who break promises, those who are blind to their own ways, those who are swollen with conceit and pride. The Apostle Paul says it's already among us. The culture is being penetrated even in the church. That's why the first characteristic is lovers of yourself. Because all of the things I just listed here is a direct result of you loving yourself. 
if you love yourself, you're going to be lovers of money, boastful, boastful and proud and blaspheme, disobedient. I mean, it's all a reflection of the love of self. You, you know why tithing is important? It's because it gets it off of you. It's not about the amount. It forces you not to love yourself and not to put your possessions above God. And if we, if we have the mindset that the church wants my money, you've missed it. It reverses the curse of self. It teaches us to be a generous people and not the attention on our self. You see, this is the last days, ladies and gentlemen. It is upon us. We are in it. And starting next Sunday, we're going to look at the rapture. We're going to look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the tribulation period. You don't want to miss it. We're going to try to get into the Antichrist. So you want to be here next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord today?